For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team and Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I break down the Chiefs' win against the Broncos, preview the tilt against the Jets, but also talk a little bit about the past. Joe had some memorable games against both the Broncos and the Jets. Uh, but before we go to the past, Joe, we'll talk about this Broncos win last week a bit. And truly crazy to look at the, the stats, Joe, if you think about it, that the Broncos outgained the Chiefs 411 to 286. Mahomes had one of his, you know, uh, by his standards, not great game, or the sense that he'd had only about 200 yards. And the Chiefs still won 43-16. to 16. They put in Mahomes uh, was pulled at the end of the game. They had time to do that. So much talk about Edwards Hilaire um, and Le'Veon Bell. DeAndre Washington even finished the game. So, Joe, yeah. how do you put that this in perspective uh, for our listeners? How this kind of all happened? I think there's really one one way, one word or a couple of words or a phrase, I should say, that you could sum up a win like that, a dominant win, when you do look at the stat page. Like you, 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 you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had an average game. You know, I think the, the, the phrase that I would use is, you know, it was, a, it was an all-around four facets of the game win. Coaching, special teams, offense defense and I think that's how you win a game like that when the stats don't go you know nobody was uh, coming out of fantasy all-star out of that game you know for the Chiefs but they won you know they scored 40 plus points and and you know kept you know kept the uh, the Broncos to really just kind of like almost like trash touchdowns right so it, yeah I think it just comes you know you, you score you score in special teams you, you do you you play the right formations in on defense at the right times even though it was a little bit of a like you said the 400 yards and a little bit of I don't, I don't want to say it, it wasn't quite like a bend don't break type defensive stance for the for the Chiefs and against the Broncos but I think it was a fact that it was just an all-around multifaceted win and I think that's scary for everybody who has to play the Chiefs from this game out because when your three stars of the game are Daniel Sorensen right came out you know he was he was on fire, right? I mean, he played like a man on a mission. Amazing. Cl- he even knocked out, in addition to his pick six, he knocked out Philip Lindsay from the game with a great Yeah. Hit. I mean, he was, yeah, he was really the star of the game. Yeah, he was on a mission to, you know, you got, you got a rookie in Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then you got Byron Pringle, right? Great K-State product, right? Hometown, you know, uh, state hero there from college. And it's just like, it's just when, when it's that, when those are your three stars of the game, and, you know, if you were, if this were a hockey game, those are the guys that would be coming out and skating around at the end of the game, right? 
um, I, I think that says a lot about this team that they don't have to be constantly relying on Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like it, they, they, they can go deep. Um, now granted the Broncos are, are struggling, but those are the kind of games you want to see these younger players, you know, really step up. Um, I was excited about the young players on, on defense that were, you know, coming, coming out who had, who had had decent performances up until this point, right. In the first, you know, five, six, seven games. I mean, you know, it's good to see Kalen Saunders, Willie Gay out there, Juan Juan Thornhill, you know, making plays and belonging, like, you know, looking like they belonged and they, and they were legitimate NFL starters. And this is, those are this game that we just played and the Jets game coming up are just the kind of games this young defense needs to continue down that road to become a more dominant defense, right? I, th- I think this is a good stretch for the Chiefs. They, they really lucked out with their schedule, uh, like, you, like you and I were talking about and you had mentioned before we, we started recording. I, I think this is a really, really good time for this team to gel and to, com- to come together and really make that run again. The other thing about the lack of dynamic stats for Mahomes and the offense, uh, there are several factors. One, it, it was snowing, which we'll talk more about. Uh, uh, credit to the Broncos, their defense, you know, they've got a very good defensive-minded coach in Vic Fangio, and their their defense mm-hmm. um, is well-schooled and played pretty well. But thirdly, you know, they had Pringle's kickoff return. They had, um, we mentioned Sorensen and his pick six. Yeah. So those are two possessions where the offense didn't see the ball. So, you know, you're taking – if you had two more possessions, two more drives to Mahomes's you know, his, his overall numbers, he's probably throwing for 250 or, you know, close, you know, so the, the stats look a little bit uh, uh, more, more nor- normal too. Yeah, that definitely normalizes everything, right, Jeff? You're absolutely right. The snow, the defensive performance, the special teams performance, and, and that you're right, that normalizes things. And one thing I love about Patrick is he doesn't even, he looks so past that stuff. Like he just yeah. wants to win games. He wants his, all of his teammates to play well and to, and to get it done. I, that's what I really, really, the, the maturity that he has when you see him in press talks after games, it just, it's unbelievable. My daughters are, are around the same age. Right. And I'll tell you, it's funny. Cause they'll be like, I can't believe he's the same age as us. Like he's so <laughs> mature. Like he's just like, he's just, he's just, uh, you know, he's really, uh, really coming into his own. I just, what a, what a treasure that the NFL has. And we're lucky to have him in Kansas city. For sure, the fact that he's just 25 is really amazing. Well, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And for this tilt against the Jets, Bet Online has the Chiefs as an amazing 19 and a half point favorites. So, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And Joe, we'll talk about uh, this line, this 19 and a half um, spread, which might be the biggest of the season and it might be the biggest kind of uh, – lock of the season but first going back to the Broncos a little bit we talked about the snow and uh you know that kind of uh reminded you of one of your memorable games from uh, from your playing days against the uh, Broncos almost to the day Jeff it was amazing um you know back in 1995 in October 
Um, we played the Chiefs. I want to say it was, I think, it, I'm trying to remember the exact day. I think it was like the 22nd or something like that. And um, we played the Broncos in, in, in Denver. The field looked almost exactly the same. Like it was, it wasn't like a blizzard, but it was definitely a snow game. Like you knew it was snowing, but then it, it did actually really start to come down towards the end of the game. You know, there were some big, like big heavy flakes that were coming down. So it did look more like a winter snowstorm towards the end of the game, but it was the game that Marcus Allen scored his 100th touchdown. And uh, you know, he obviously was dynamite around, well, he was dynamite everywhere on the field, but he was dynamite around the end zone, around the goal line. Right. I mean, there wasn't, it, could, it wasn't like he was Christian Okoye size either. I mean, he was a guy that just really knew how to get himself into the end zone, even though he wasn't a huge powering back, like a Christian Okoye or a Barry word or, you know, a Derek Henry type. Um, but man, he could find the end zone. And I'll never forget that I was so lucky to be in on that play. And I was the first one over to grab him out of the pile. Cause I was coming off of the edge. I was, I was in as the, as the, uh, you know, the heavy tight end um, on that goal line stand. And it was just so cool. Like to be the first guy to congratulate Marcus on his 100th touchdown, you know, a guy that was such, so legendary and, and such a great force out there and such a positive you know, uh, just a positive force for the NFL. So yeah, that, 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 when I saw that snow, you know, um, I just was thinking, Oh my God, just brought back so many memories. You know, everybody wants to talk about the Monday night game and the, the Elway Montana shootout, you know, in, in, at mile high. But for me, one of the, one of my more fonder memories was that Marcus Allen hundredth touchdown in October in the snow, just like this game. It was really crazy. It was like, it really brought, it really brought me back to, to some great memories of, of that Broncos uh, rivalry. Chiefs fans of a certain age will remember kind of that iconic image of just Allen jumping over the, the, the pile and just snow coming down against an opponent that had really vexed us uh, for years under Elway. Yeah, that was a, a special moment in a special game. Yeah, it really was. Um, and I was so lucky to be in that picture because I, there's a, and my name is, you could see my, in, in most of them, they took it from, you know, the sideline and they showed, like you had said, Marcus diving over top. And I was, you could see my name was peeking right out over the pads as I was getting under, you know, the defensive end uh, who was uh, on, I was blocking, I was on the left side. I was lined up at the left tight end. And yes, I always, I, I look back at that. My, my father-in-law has a really cool picture of that, that Marcus signed for him when he was out in Kitmore my father-in-law came out to Kansas city and he had him sign it for him. And uh, you know, and there I was in a battle like, yeah, there we go. So, you know, like my dad always said, you know, you, you try to end up in the hall of fame. It's just in somebody else's picture or somebody else's plaque. <laughs> so I tried to, you know, try to get, try to get there wherever I could. Do you remember what, if Marcus said anything after scoring that touchdown or what? I know he is such a humble guy. You know, I, we, he was so like he was, he was, he was a guy that he lived by that mantra. Like he just act like you've been there before, mm -hmm. you know, whether that was his 10th touchdown, his hundredth touchdown or his thousandth touchdown, you know, he's just a guy that went over, said, Marcus, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on, on the big hundred. And, you know, he said, thanks, Joey B. And, you know, he handed the ball to the ref and then all the other players came, you know, piled onto him and, and he, you know, handed the ball to the ref and he went back to the sideline. It was amazing. That kind of guy, that kind of humility, that he had. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot. I think we could all learn from that, that he was, he was that prototypical guy who just, you know, acted like he'd been there before, you know, it was, it was a day at the office and that's what he was supposed to do. And I'm sure he was feeling really good about it, but you know, he, he was, you know, the first guy to maybe, you know, in a press conference, you know, say that it was the offensive line or it was this that got him there. And, and that's just the kind of guy he was. 
Marcus is great. You know, for a story I did last year, he was part of the hospitality committee uh, for certain people who bought tickets uh, to the Super Bowl. And he said how much he just loved meeting people. He, he said one of his favorite parts, he would, uh, for a, a pregame tailgate, he would serenade people. He was trying to think about what song he'd sing. Just what a he, neat guy. He, was, he had a great voice. He was always singing in the locker room. <laughs> he was, yeah, he had, a, he had a fantastic voice. He was... Uh, you know, he was always bringing some some sort of song into the in the locker room and into the huddle. You know, he was he kept it loose too. You know, he was definitely the kind of player you combo him with Joe Montana and two of the coolest players that you know I know I ever played against and probably a lot of people would have ever played with. Um, and uh, you know, you put those two together and it just they were just so cool. They just kept everything you know at a level where you, you never got you never got flustered or or you never worried about being behind in a game. They just were the consummate pros when it came to that, you know, because they were big believers in, in preparation. Marcus was too. Marcus was the kind of guy that was you know he was another one of Joe Montana like players that first guy in the weight room, last guy to leave the stadium, mm-hmm. you know, even after all of his accomplishments, right? The Super Bowl win with the Raiders, the MVPs, the whole nine yards. He was still that guy that was the first one there. And you looked at him and for a running back back then, you know, it was a different game back then. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pulling the whole, you know, we used to walk to school uphill both ways when <laughs> I was a kid, you know, but it was a different game, right? I mean, it was, a, it was definitely a, you, you spent a lot of time being really physical during the season and during practice than I think the players do now. I think these the players really stay game ready now. And I think you're going to see running backs lasting a little bit longer. Back then, running backs didn't last very long because it was so punishing, uh, both in practice and in games. But Marcus, man, he was – I had never seen anybody – granted, it makes somebody sound really old, but you know when he was in his mid to late 30s and you're seeing this guy and, 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 and you'd never think, you know, in normal life that you'd say that's old, but in the NFL for a running back, that was ancient back then in the nineties, like, you know, somebody Marcus who played through the eighties and the nineties. And he, he looked like he was 25 years old. Yeah. Like, it's just totally. like, what the heck? How does that, you know, how does that happen? But it really, it, obviously always a combination of, of your, you know, your physical, you know, attributes, but it was really a lot of hard work uh, that he put into it and time in the weight room and time being in shape. Marcus Allen was part of so many memorable Chiefs games, including the Broncos Chiefs game we just mentioned. The Broncos Chiefs obviously have a lot of history as divisional opponents. The Jets and Chiefs, is interesting, have, have some uh, history as well. Uh, the, in 86, to cap the 86 season, the Chiefs actually played the Jets in the playoffs. Now it's a big deal because the Chiefs, after being such a great franchise um, for so long, were, were the late seventies, early eighties were really a struggling franchise. And so even though they uh, gotten beaten badly by the Jets, just to be back in the playoffs is a big deal. And then actually um, you played against the Jets in a very memorable for, for, for sad, very nearly tragic uh, reasons. It was a very memorable game against Jets. Yeah, Jeff, it, you know, when I, when I think about when I drive, you know, living on the East coast and I spent a lot of time working in New York, now and and have in the past and you know we spent a lot of time going up to the city from philadelphia and you know you drive past uh you know what what we used to call the meadowlands right and um yeah it, it brings back a lot of uh, very like you said somber memories um you know i was in my second year it was 1992 it was a year when i had seen some starting time and i had you know started some games and i happened uh against the jets 
at the Meadowlands started at right tackle. Uh, and it was really exciting because, you know, we very rarely came East. I mean, you know, we, we were, you know, because of, because of the AFC West, right. All of our teams were, were basically out, you know, West of, West of us, right. Seahawks and, and uh, you know, and the whole AFC, the AFC West division. But uh you know, we, we, we came back east. We were playing at the Meadowlands. It was in New York. I had a ton of family. And that same year, we also played the Giants at the Meadowlands. We, so mm-hmm. we play, I played in the Meadowlands two times in one year after I had, you know, had very rarely been home, um, you know, and come back to the east. And it was exciting. There's a ton of family there, high school friends, college and whatnot. And it was really, really exciting. And uh, I was going up against a player, obviously, who was a rising star. I mean, Dennis Bird was on the track, man. I mean, that guy was, you know, you talk about these players today, like Aaron Donald and, you know, some of these incredible defensive tackles. I think Dennis was in his either third or maybe his fourth year. He was probably looking at a huge contract because he had had, he had, he had his first couple years in the league were fantastic as a young player. He was fast. He was strong. He was aggressive. He just was a super player and he was an incredibly nice guy. Um, you know, got to learn more about him through guys like Jeff Criswell, who came to the Chiefs from the Jets. He and Dennis were friendly. Louis Aguiar, obviously, was with the Jets and, and knew Dennis really well. Um, but, um, you he know, 20, 20 sacks his first two seasons. Oh, Jeff, I mean, he, for a young guy in, you know, in the AFC, you know, uh, East Division, you know, playing really good teams back then in the early 90s, you know, he was, he was, he was up and coming, man. I'm telling you, he was looking at – you know, for back then, what would have been big dollars coming out of his rookie contract out of Tulsa. And, you know, I was, you know, I was nervous going against him, you know, one-on-one, right. And in, in our pass protection and everything. And, and um, on a particular play, you know, Dave Craig was, was, was a drop back quarterback who, you know, he, he sat back in the pocket. Dave was very mobile, but he still was a, you know, he was a, a classic pocket quarterback. And Dave used to line up because Dave was shorter is a little, tidbit that people you know don't think about when they're thinking about the talent that you have on a team you know Dave was really short for a quarterback you know he was not your your statuesque you know tall you know Joe Tom Brady six foot three six foot four quarterback you know back there and so Dave used to have to to get a really good view of the field he had to line up pretty far back so Dave would not only take his five to seven step drops he would also take a little bit more so what that does for the tackles is if you think about the angles that a tackle has to keep a rusher off of, you know, when you watch a quarterback step up in the pocket, right, what they're doing is they, they're, they're, they're allowing the, the ends to come up and, and to ha- the defensive ends to come up and have a rush lane. And then the quarterback, you watch the quarterback step up and it gives the tackle an advantage like me or right? me and John Alt, right? because Dave was really far back. So when you think about the angle of a quarterback, if he's really far back, it's really hard to protect a quarterback like that. You really mm-hmm. got to, you got to, you got to have it going on because you, you know, the, the uh, defensive end can go either way. He can go inside of you or outside of you and still get to the quarterback. It's a little bit of the physics of it. So Dave was really dropped back deep. John and I were riding our guys around the edge. I was going one-on-one against Dennis bird on the particular play. And John and uh, Dave Zott on the other on the on the left side were dealing with, they were dealing with the crossing. Um, uh, you know, I had Dave Lutz was was the right guard next to me. I was one on one. Dave was sliding the protection to the left. Grunny's at center, and then Dave Zott and, and John Alt are dealing with a twist stunt over on the other side. So Scott Merceru, who was defensive tackle, short cornered John Alt on the stunt. 
because the defensive end came in and really collapsed the pocket uh, or the pass pocket protection. And, and, and we created this short corner and Scott Mercer who got around John and Dennis Bird got around me just enough that when Dave Craig stepped up in the pocket, the two of them collided. And, and, and Dennis's head went directly into Mercerou's chest because Mercerou was trying to bring his arms up to, to get the ball out of Dave's hands because Dave was, you know, had the ball back. You know, he had it cocked and ready to go to throw the pass. And Dennis Bird had his head down and his head went right into Scott Mercerou's chest. And I had my hands on Dennis when it happened. I was trying to ride him past the quarterback. There was nothing dirty on that play on anybody's part. It was a it was as clean a play as you you could ever imagine for pass protection. And it just happened to be that those two guys collided, and Dennis happened to have his head down, um, and it went like I said right into into Scott's chest. And we knew right. I mean, we almost knew immediately, Jeff, when he went down. You know, I had my arm on his like hip as I was riding him past the quarterback, past Dave Craig, and. The, the the way that his body went motionless at that particular time, I, we all knew like right away there was something seriously wrong. Oh, man. You know, we knew he was breathing. Like we knew he was alive, but we knew the fact that like, you know, a lot of players will writhe or they'll do something right to like, you know, to, to, to try, try to alleviate some of the pain that they have. Like if you see a guy hurt his knee, they'll grab, you know, their knee and they'll, they'll roll around on their back or whatever. Or they'll tr- Cause you just, that's your natural reaction, right. Is to, is to actually move when you get hurt. And he did nothing. I mean, it was just, bam, he was out. And, and it was like, we knew right there. And we just, a hush just went over the whole Meadowlands and, you know, it took 20, 30 minutes for, for the stretchers to come out and get him body boarded. And, you know, he went to the hospital. And, you know, the thing that I always say about Dennis Bird, and they obviously made it, they wrote a book about it, made a movie about it. The thing I always say about Dennis Bird and the quality of his character and, you know, God rest his soul, because he recently passed away, not from his injury, because he did walk again. He walked with a cane. He had a very serious limp, but he did walk again, which was a blessing and basically due to his hard work and and refusal to quit. Um, But the first thing Dennis Bird said when, you know, and this was testified by, you know, guys like Jeff Criswell and Louie who who had all gone to see him at the hospital. First thing he said to the doctors when he came out of surgery was, am I going to be able to hug my kids? Am I going to be able to play football with my kids? It wasn't like what happened to my big contract? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, am, are the, am I going to play football again? Are the Jets going to cut me? Like, as the first thing he said, am I going to be able to play with my kids? And I'm telling you, that was like such a, such a heart-wrenching and heartwarming thing all at the same time, right? To hear somebody in that human moment just say, I'm more concerned about what my life is going to be like than this whole football thing. And, you know, and um, I think uh, – you know, I, I think I think of that about Dennis and that moment, and it just you know it brings back a lot of a lot of memories when the Jets and the Chiefs play. Not to be a downer about it, but you know because there was some real positives that came out of it because Dennis was an inspiration to a lot of people. That he walked again, unfortunately passed away from a car accident that was unrelated to his injury. Um, but um, you know, he was just such an inspiration to so many people. Uh, and, 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 and what he was able to do. And, you know, so it's bittersweet for me when the Chiefs play the Jets. <laughs> so how, to you know. say the least, how hard was it to move on to the, you know, as an athlete, you're always trained to move on the next play, next play. 
after that, how, where was your head in? How did you kind of get back into the game? Yeah, it's really hard to. I, I got to be honest. It was hard. It was hard for a lot of us. And, you know, just to give you some inside baseball about that game, and it, one of the frustrating things that, that the media focused on was, and, and they pulled us, they even asked me in the press conference, and thank goodness, you know, we had some of the best PR people in the world, Pete Morris, Bob Moore, right, just guys that were really looking out for the players and, and also friendly with the media and had great relationships, we, and we had great media. And, the, the one thing that I know, and it, was, it came more from the New York media than it did the Kansas City media, but uh, one of the things they really focused on was the fact that on the play after, you know, that the Dennis was, was carted off the field and, you know, everything was kind of like getting back to, you know, to the game itself, you know, um, we threw a bomb and on the next play and we scored a touchdown. I, I think, I'm pretty sure we either had a huge gain or we actually scored on that play. You know, we went deep, and, and, and that was something we, you know, we didn't really do a lot back then, right, because it was still Christian Nikoye, Barry Wordball, right? And, and uh, you know, a lot of people, they were like, oh, was, was Marty taking advantage of the lull, the, the injury? And it was like, no, it was just the next play. I mean, it was, it was the next play that was dialed up that, you know, we were going to run, and, and nobody was trying to take advantage of, of a lull in, in, the, in, in what had happened. And so that was, a, you know, that was a little bit, you know, kind of, but, and of course, you know, as they're asking me the question, right, I'm, I'm the lineman who was blocking him when it happened. And we were in the press room because they wanted to talk to the players about it. And, you know, Bob Moore, of course, steps in and says, guys, that that's, you know, it's almost like he was pulling like, you know, a, a courtroom things like objection, you know, your honor. And he's just like, you know, guys, come on, this isn't, this isn't the time and place that the players were really, we were all really shaken up about that. Um, Cause it was, you know, it was, it was definitely the, the toughest injury I'd ever seen, uh, on a field, uh, you know, at, at one time. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was very emotional, but, but get back to your question, Jeff, I think it, when players are faced with that, you know, you can't help. It just humanizes the game. It, it makes you realize that you're all out there just trying to provide, you know, for your families, you're trying to, you're trying to do a job, you're trying to entertain the fans, you're trying to do the best that you can. Um, and that, and that really, you know, players are human you know, as, as physical studs as they might be, when you see them, they're still human and they're still vulnerable. Uh, and, and it does kind of, kind of pull that all back into perspective. Totally. Great analysis, Joe. Uh, when we look at this matchup uh, on Sunday uh, between the Chiefs and the Jets, um, there are some storylines. Obviously, the Le'Veon Bell kind of revenge game is one of them. And just as our friends at uh, Bet Online have the spread at 19 and a half. This could be one of the largest margins kind of of all time and certainly of the year. Um, I think I'm going to, I, I, it's such a lock. I think for our beliefs or survival pool, this is, I finally get it. I've, I've been holding on to the Chiefs. Um, I'm going to use it. What's interesting, so I don't see this game being at all close. Uh, I don't think, though, that it's going to be, we're looking at like a 45 to three game, something like that, only because. That's just not Andy. I, Andy Reid, I think, is going to kind of uh, tap the brakes a little bit at, at when it gets out of hand. That's kind of what he did a lot last year. I think of um, the Chiefs, both Chiefs Raiders games. Uh, the first one of last year, Chiefs are up twenty-eight to ten uh, in the second quarter and didn't score again because they went conservative. Same thing against when they 
play the Bears, they um, mm-hmm. did the same thing. And even last week against Denver, they really could have poured it on. He takes out his both starting running backs. He takes out Mahomes. I, I just feel like this will never be in question, but I think the, the, the Chiefs are going to have a lot of uh, backups in early. So just for those uh, gamblers out there, keep that in mind. Oh, yeah, these big lines are very deceiving. It's still the NFL, right? The, the, the Jets are still an NFL team, and they're going to go out there and, and they're going to try to prove their worth. And, and, and even though that, you know, people might say that they're the, the worst performing team in the NFL at this point. Um, and I think you're right, Jeff. I think you are absolutely 100% right. This is an opportunity for the Chiefs to, uh, you know, and, and look, I mean this in no disrespect to the Jets or their fans, but it's, it's almost – in, in, a, in a weird way, a little bit of a bye week, you know, for the Chiefs in some ways. You still, they still have to prepare. They still have to play. I'm going to go – I'm going to use my Coach Schottenheimer mantra. You can't just throw your helmets out there and think you're going to win, guys. I mean, that was something he always said. If you're playing somebody who was 0-15, you can't just throw your helmet out there and think you're going to win. You have to prepare. You can't look past because it's still the NFL and the ball bounces really funny sometimes. Um, so I think that, you know, the Chiefs are going to – they're going to prepare for this game. They're going to stay in, 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 in attack mode, and they're going to do all the right things. But let's be realistic at the same time. You know, they're going to, they're going to have contingency plans to get some backups in early. You know, I think we, I think we were pretty close on the, on the number of carries that Le'Veon got last week. I think, I think he got six, right? And uh, I think we, that's what we all kind of thought he would get, right, somewhere between six to eight carries. I think, I think personally he's going to get a lot more this week. I think this is a huge chance to get him back to game shape that he was in, you know, in the past. Of course, you mentioned it. It's a little, he gets to go against his old team, and I think that's good for players to, you know, to, go, to do that and to have a little extra motivation. Um, and uh, I remember we did that once in, in 1993. Reggie McElroy was a longtime Raiders offensive lineman, and they kind of discarded him. And the Chiefs, uh, we brought him on. We brought Reggie on uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs in 1993. And uh, I remember they, we started him. He, he wasn't really a full-time starter. We started him against the Raiders. He had like the game of his life. So, you know, you, 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 you want to do that. You want to see your players have that kind of motivation. And I think it's going to be Le'Veon's day. I think they're going to really get to see what he can do in this offense. And I think it's a chance for them to, uh, to, to let some players get some rest. And, and Jeff, going to bring it back to the line because we haven't talked about the line almost the whole show. <laughs> we always got to get the O-line in. Uh, I, think, I think it's a chance for this, that group to, to continue to work to gel together. Right. It's, it's a good opportunity for, you know, for, for a bunch of guys who haven't played a whole lot of games together. They've been together a long time, but they haven't played a lot of games in the positions they're in right now for them to all play together and, and, and continue to pull their, uh, you know, pull their unit, uh, you know, together. Totally. And uh, by no means do I, am I saying this game is, is going to be competitive, but I, I do want to point yeah. out a couple of things about the, the, the Jets that, you know, when they were truly at their worst is when Sam Darnold was out. He is back now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's throwing some real bad interceptions and questionable throws, but he does have a lot of arm talent. So that gives him a little bit of an edge. And they're getting some guys back. Denzel Mims is an intriguing mm-hmm. rookie receiver. So, that, you know, they're not totally – this is the NFL. They're not totally bereft of talent. Um, and one of the things that I'm curious about, I'm really just curious about uh, – we mentioned Le'Veon Bell, but the running backs is, is, is kind of going to be fun to watch uh, just to see – 
Bell against his former team, like we mentioned. And then across the way, just some appreciation for Frank Gore, who's still playing. He's, oh. he's their main guy, the third all-time leading rusher. We talked about Marcus Allen, great Marcus Allen, a Hall of Famer, 14th all-time. Frank Gore is third. Just truly amazing that he, at his age, um, is, is still out there. So uh, Chiefs fans, it's something to look, uh, look at. The 37-year-old Frank Gore, we are talking about how uh, Marcus Allen, how amazing he was uh, about still being productive at his age. 37-year-old Frank Gore, um, that, that's really something to maybe a, a player to watch. Uh, Chiefs fans might even, even have forgotten that he's kind of their main guy now just because the Jets are obviously not on TV a lot. They're not getting much yeah. um, positive attention for obvious reasons. Yeah, and I, and I got to throw in a, you know, a Penn Quaker reference too. Uh, uh, Greg Van Roten is uh, you know, uh, a fantastic offensive lineman for them. Oh. He actually, actually, we share the same number. He, wore, he wears 73 with the Jets. He had a nice uh, run with the Panthers and, and signed a free agent contract. He's played every snap so far this season uh, with the Jets and has had, he's really a bright spot on their offensive line. So I'm excited that there's a Penn Qua- there'll be another Penn Quaker out there on the field. Um, you know, obviously uh, want the Chiefs to win, but I'd like to see Greg, you know, Greg do well as a college, uh, you know, teammate from the Ivy League. So uh, yeah, so I'll be, wa- you know, I'll be watching for that to see how Greg does. Um, yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, it, there's just, Right. I know by no means we're saying that, that, that the Jets are going to win this game, um, you know, but it could be, it could be closer than the fans think. And, and I think, like you that, said, those betting lines can be really deceiving sometimes. Well, well put. That's what I was getting at. So the big question is that a lot of the talk about this game is going to be about the line, that 19 and a half line. Do you think, uh, do you think the Chiefs cover that? I think they do. I think they do. I mean, that's, that's really, it's, it's, you know, you saw what happened with, you know, last week with the Broncos. I, I think, I think, I don't know if they're going to cover it by like that game. I think I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this is going to be like one of those 48 to three games, yeah, 42 to three games. I think it's going to be, you know, it might be 28 to three or something like that, or, or, you know, uh, you know, 31 to 10, you know, and they just, just like barely cover because it's going to be, I think it'll be a three touchdown game, but I think that's what it's going to be. It, it could be, you know, you know, it could be 52 to 30. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's good. It, who knows, right? You get a couple of special team scores by the Jets or whatever. The Chiefs could go on an incredible run and then, you know, the, the, the Jets could score some touchdowns. But I think it's, I don't think it's going to be a blowout blowout. I, I think it's going to be right at the line. And, but I think the Chiefs cover – and I think it's a 20 to 21 point win where it's, you know, three solid seven point touchdowns that the, that the chiefs win by. Uh, I, I totally agree. I, I don't think the jets offense is good enough to, to score that many points. So I'm thinking it's like 31 to six or so. I think Andy Reed takes his foot off uh, the gas a little bit. And so it's a, a very convincing win, but it's not going to be like a, historic yeah uh, jeff yeah it's true and you know and hey one last thought you know if 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 andy does the right thing and tries to give patrick and some of his key starters it might be a tiny tiny bit banged up you know they might be having those little nagging injuries that you start getting around week seven eight like this you know the jets they, they could be up by four touchdowns and and the jets could score two 
you know, they get their, they get, Oh yeah. Garbage second string in. And you know, that's why the NFL, that's why those big lines are really tough. I don't, you're almost better picking the ones that are like six point lines, Mm -hmm. you know, because those big lines, you just, you just don't know what kind of, um, you don't know what kind of, like you said, garbage time is going to happen at the end. And you know, the chiefs could care less if, if they win 35 to 17, or 35 to three, it doesn't really matter. You know, everybody knows. So, you know, they could, the Jets could score two touchdowns at the end on, on the Chiefs' second or even third team by the time you get to that point, right? They may have some, you know, they may have some players in there that, that aren't, you know, full time starters, uh, could be, you know, bubble practice squad guys. And, you know, the Jets could score a couple. So, it, yeah, it's, that's, that's a tough line, but I still think they cover. So do I. Great points about that, Joe. Well, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.